What's going on, everyone? This is James Watkins with the Five Solas Podcast. I hope that you are all doing absolutely phenomenal. So, as I said last week, uh, we had a little bit of a life happened. Pretty much lost my grandmother, and we weren't able to give you guys a full episode, and I wanted to change that this week. Didn't take into consideration that that our normal recording day was Father's Day as well. So the good Reverend Almost Doctor, I gave him the day off pretty much, told him to go spend time with his family. He did, so that kind of left us with a little bit of a gap, but I am happy to be able to fill that gap with another brother in Christ on a very, very important topic. And before we move into the topic, I just want to introduce him. Daryl, how are you doing? I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me on once again. Yeah, awesome to have you on. So this voice should sound very, very familiar. This is Daryl Updike with the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Fantastic podcast and recent members of the Christian podcast community. Yes, yes. And we're, we're finally now on the page where you can you can go to christianpodcastcommunity.org, I believe it is, and actually listen to our podcast right from there. Awesome. And, and you know, it's actually incredible because... You know, as of, you know, the last few weeks, the Christian podcast community is starting to really grow. And it's a lot of solid foundational teachings that are on the podcast. Uh, I encourage you, like Daryl said, ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. Go there, check out all the podcasts, and you will be edified. At least by one of them, right? I'm not so sure about this one, but you'll at least be edified by one of them, at least. There's, there's so many on there now, I don't have enough time in the day to listen to all yeah, of them. Yeah, I know. I'm really backed up on my uh, on my playlist so i've got to get caught back up too i did just listen to uh andrew's rap report on can women be pastors Mm -hmm. and that was a very good episode and i'm seeing that he's getting uh, some a little bit of heat for it but it's not because he's not being biblical definitely Uh, yeah i thought that that episode was excellent he went right to the scripture and just stuck to what the word of god says yeah and you know really the fantastic thing about it is that he started with what their arguments for women being pastors actually the arguments are and then he explained why from an exegetical standpoint why that's not the case so i mean he he presents you with the argument for and the argument against and i I tell you it's probably one of the better podcast episodes that i've listened to on that topic we, we can't pump Andrew's head up too much, though. We can't. Oh, that's impossible. It, it literally can get no bigger than it already is. <laughs> nah, so, I love that guy, man. Love yeah, him. I do. I do, too. He's a great guy. Great guy. But this is what I've been doing. I, I've pretty much been operating Five Souls Ministries full-time now, ever since we launched it. And so, like you, uh, like you said, whenever we first got on the video conference together, I've been, I've been super active on social media, more so than I think I've ever been. But in doing so, you know, I've run upon a lot of conversations online. Uh, experiencing the death of my grandmother, that's going to be a, a topic that we have for today is directly related to a question that I got asked after her death. But upon this past week, upon being active on social media, there have been a lot of things that I've seen on there. And I, and I don't, I guess I've just been living under a rot the last few years because I haven't been super active on social media the way that I used to. But I wanted to tackle some theological misconceptions and I messaged you about it and you were so willing to record with me and thank you for doing that. Thanks for having me on. But whenever I started really thinking about there are, I mean, there are a lot of theological misconceptions, right? There are things that people say and you just, you get that slant eye at them. That's not biblical whatsoever. There are some things that are just so common among lay people, among Christians, and they say it. And at first glance, you know, it's like, you know, that sounds right, but that is where discernment 
has to come into play and actually focusing on what the word of God says regarding these issues. So we have four topics that we are going to address today of some theological misconceptions. Two of them are from Daryl. Two of them are are from myself, and I am super excited about it, so I want to go ahead and just jump right into it. The first one, uh, and this is actually one that Daryl gave me, is judge not. It actually goes, so how do they normally put this? Judge not, lest you be judged. I mean, you see this all over the internet, right? Yeah, and it's, like, like you were saying before, it definitely comes a lot from unbelievers, you know, people who wouldn't even consider themselves Christian. At the time, you might be calling them out on something or calling a sin a sin and they'll be like oh doesn't the bible say judge not like you shouldn't judge first you can say oh you read the bible that's that's great let's let's, let's read the rest it. of the verses yeah yeah <laughs> what, are the, what are the rest let's let's look at that verse but yeah so jesus in matthew 7 he says do not judge so that you will not be judged for in the way you're, you judged you will be judged and by your standard of measure it will be measured to you why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly and take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yeah. So nowhere in there is Jesus saying not to judge. But what he's calling out is a hypocritical judgment. So when yes. you're calling out something on somebody else that you are in sin for. He, he's saying to make sure that you take the speck out of your eye, take the log out of your eye first before you correct somebody else. So nowhere in there is he saying not to judge. It's to judge with righteous judgment. Right. And, you know, the conversation that I've seen in regards to this and how this is applicable was dealing with a topic on homosexuality and mm-hmm. even even having a conversation with homosexuals who, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to sit here. You know, I was involved in a little bit of a conversation as well about should we be affirming, unaffirming. And, and you know, I got on there and I was like, you know, I can't affirm something that God does not affirm. And I got hit with the, well, doesn't the Bible say judge not lest you be judged? But, you know, there's also verse 6 is very important in that as well. Uh, you were reading that out of Matthew chapter 7, and you went through 1 through 5. Verse 6 is kind of important in that in a way as well. It mm-hmm. says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So as you were saying, verses 1 through 5, they really warn against criticizing other people without considering how open to criticism we ourselves may be. So, for instance, if you are watching pornography all the time and you sit there and you try to call out someone that is watching pornography, you have a log in your eye. And then you go down to verse 6. And what is interesting about verse 6 is if you notice the language that is used here, do not give dogs what is holy. How do you know if someone's a dog? You have to judge that, right? Right. There is a judgment that has to be made. As a matter of fact, we cannot do anything whatsoever in our everyday life if we are not judging. And there's also a hypocrisy here, Daryl. Whenever somebody tells you, do not judge, well, the hypocrisy in this is that they are first having to judge that you were judging, and then they're having to judge that your judgment is bad. So they are violating their own standard that they're trying to impose against you. Right. Yeah. And I, I was uh, at an abortion clinic once. I stand outside sometimes and I'll have that sign that says uh, babies are murdered here. And a lady drove up and started like yelling at me. She stopped in the middle of the street in the middle of traffic in her minivan and started yelling at me like, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be judging these women. And and then she went on to, to be like, like, you should be doing this in your own neighborhood. And I'm like, 
thinking in my head, like, right, she's telling me not to judge, but she doesn't know if I live in this neighborhood. She was just going by my appearance, <laughs> probably, unfortunately, by the color of my skin. And she's saying that I shouldn't be there. So she's telling me not to judge, yet she was judging me the whole time. And that's what we yeah. see when people throw this at us. Right. And then if we actually, if we use other areas of scripture as well, we look at it and specifically you look at John chapter seven, verse 24, it says judge with righteous judgment. Do you believe that the Bible contradicts itself? We know the ones that hold the soul of scripture know that the scripture is our final authority on all matters, right? So whenever we look at it, we're like, well, either we have a contradiction issue here or there's a context issue that we're not looking at because John chapter seven, verse 24 tells us to judge with righteous judgment. So either we have Jesus saying right here in the book of Matthew, do not judge, period. And then in another place, he's saying judge with righteous judgment. We're either having a direct contradiction or there is a contextual issue that we're not addressing. I love You've probably seen it before, the uh, Paul Washer quote, where he says, you know, when people say to him, uh, judge not, lest you be judged. Twist not scripture, lest you be uh, like Satan. Twist not scripture. (laughs) lest you be like Satan. But that, that's what's going on here. They, You know, you take one thing that you think the Bible is saying when it's not saying that and you're not, you're taking it out of context and then you're just using it like as a proof text. And, and we see that often. And that's what's going on as well in a way with, you know, women in ministry, that big debate that's happening right, right now. But you, you take a verse and you, you're not really looking into the context of what right. is there. And it, it's, it's a part of discernment. And there's a serious lack of discernment within the church, especially yeah. in America these days. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not. It's been a couple of weeks back. I posted, I shared some pictures from a church. I can't remember exactly where the church was out of now. It's been so long since I shared it. But it's this Church of Christ who is, who is LGBTQ, pretty much all the letters of the alphabet affirming. Mm-hmm. And it's pictures of him standing next to the sign of the church, basically uh, very incredibly liberal church. You can tell by the verbiage on the signs. And one of the things that was posted in the comments was, I am so glad that this is a church that does not judge. And whenever you see stuff like that, whenever you are looking at something, if you have just a a lick of discernment, you can discern that this is not a true biblical church. Uh, As a a matter of fact, that's what I said in the conversation that I was involved with. I cannot affirm what God does not affirm. However, you know, it's not that God, that God just doesn't affirm homosexuality. I mean, any sin against God, I mean, you're still sinning against God. But, I mean, there has to be a level of discernment, and what you're really seeing, especially in this Judge Not movement, Todd Frill wrote a book about it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how deep it goes. In this movement, what you're basically seeing is do not call out the sin that I love. And this is going back to Isaiah, when Isaiah talks about woe to those who call good evil and evil good. It's a scary time in our history right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, you just look around and like all these articles and things that are going on. And, and then within the church, you start to see things creep in within certain denominations. And it's been going on for a long time, you know, especially we look at splits that have happened even within Presbyterian church over these issues. And then it looks like they're they're kind of gone for a while, and it's just over there in that camp. And then it starts creeping into other areas where you think, you know, it's pretty conservative, biblical denominations. And it's it's pretty scary. And it starts with little things like sayings like judge not or the others that we're going to go over today. And it's, exactly. you know, I love this, this Spurgeon quote that discernment isn't the difference of knowing right from wrong. It's knowing right from almost right. And that's some of these things that we're talking about sound almost right. Like judge not. Yeah, that's in the Bible. So. Yeah. It seems right, 
but we have to look into it. Like, okay, well, what do you mean by it? These words have meaning, and I think that gets overlooked a lot these days. Yeah, absolutely. And this this is this kind of hand in hand with false teachers, right? Because you have a lot of false teachers who say a lot of things that are right. Uh, just just to be completely honest, some false te- false teachers say things that are right. And, you know, it's not, it's not, if they were saying stuff that was deliberately false, I mean, they wouldn't have a crowd, right? So, I mean, there has to be a level of truth. So, I mean, you can have somebody sitting in a congregation who is hearing, in my instance, I heard the gospel preached in a prosperity gospel church and I was saved. Praise God. The Lord led me out of that pretty quickly. You know, we're not sitting underneath that teaching for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Once I was saved, I started hearing these things that I knew were not lining up with scripture. And here's the thing, the less that you're in scripture, the less discerning you're going to be. There is a correlation here. The Spirit does guide us into all truth. So that is the very first one that we come up with. Judge not, lest you be judged. And this matters. It's it's a discernment issue here. Folks, we have three more of these that we are going to go through, and we're going to do that right after this quick break. This is Ash Matson, graphic designer, I am eager to partner with ministries, businesses, and individuals to bring their vision to life. Whether that be a fresh and innovative logo design, custom social media marketing tools, or ministry materials that are clear and compelling. Whatever the project, I have you covered. If you are looking for high-quality design work at an affordable price, reach out and let's get started. Find Ash Matson Graphic Design on Facebook or online at ashmatsongraphic.wixsite.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Solas Podcast. This is James Watkins, still here with the amazing Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, and we are discussing theological misconceptions. We just ran through one, Judge Not Lest You Be Judged. And so we want to move on to another one that is pretty popular. The one that we are going to discuss now is this quote here, God helps those who help themselves. And Daryl, I did a little bit of study on this phrase before... We got started, and I found that a lot of people attribute this quote to Benjamin Franklin, but actually this goes back to paganism and is actually present in Aesop's fables. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean... Well, well, Ben Franklin was never a professing Christian, right? So I can I can see it coming from yep. him in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, so exactly, because I, I think that there are two aspects of this. Now, if we look at it from the world in the meaning of self-help, self-sufficiency, then we are incredibly and very, very wrong, right? Uh, that That's commonly the usage of this. Now, something is ba- basically the, the verbiage here. Something's going wrong, wrong in life, and someone says, hey, God helps those who help themselves. And so on the other hand now, as I was just telling you uh, before we come back from the commercial break, there are theologians that I ran up on that had used similar quotes to this. And one of them was Matthew Henry, and the other was Martin Luther. And Daryl, I want you to hear the verbiage that he uses here. So long as you keep your pledge to God, he in turn gives you his grace. So if we're looking at this with a biblical lens, we know that apart from God, we can do absolutely nothing. We we keep our pledge to God because he has extended us grace and keeps us in 
preserves us until the end. So what has been your experience with this particular quote? I'm assuming that you've heard it before, right? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely heard it before. And usually it's said to a person that is in need. Maybe they're just sitting around and just waiting and they're like, you know, oh, and God bless me. And then somebody will say, well, you're not really doing anything to help yourself. Yeah. Like, so God helps those who help themselves. So you got to do it. You got to move first yep. and then God will help you. Again, there's, there's a slight maybe truth in there somewhere but it, it depends on how you nuance that like yeah man i saw another meme on on facebook that's where i get all my theology memes on yeah that, that's, <laughs> that's where that's where we're getting i mean i'm pretty sure that like right. seminaries yeah. they're they're gonna have yeah. memeology coming in as one of the <laughs> right? required courses but i forget who who shared it or who quoted it but it was something about the farmer prays for the harvest and then he goes out and works the field so yeah there's a truth where we pray for things and then we we move in faith so there's a movement in faith but it's not god's moving isn't dependent on our moving right. And that's kind of what that quote would lean, lean somebody to. Now, I have heard this used quite frequently with those who are struggling with drug addiction. That, you know, I kind of have a little bit of a background as far as family who has struggled in this field of drug addiction. Um, whenever I was in my atheism and I was struggling with alcoholism, um, I had a, I had a, pretty close friend at the time, you know, I, w I wasn't going out and doing things with people anymore. Uh, I was mm -hmm. kind of secluding myself. And this was before I got suicidal. You know, I, I told him when I was like, you know, I, I probably do have a problem with alcohol. I yeah. absolutely don't care that I have a problem. And, you know, the, the quote, they said, well, God only helps those who help themselves. And looking at it now, I mean, apart from God's grace, there was absolutely nothing that I could have done in and of myself. I'm not sufficient enough. And this goes back to what the Apostle Paul says, that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And he's writing this in the midst of affliction. Right. You mean Paul didn't write that while he was trying to win the NBA championship? <laughs> Paul actually wrote that while he was waiting to get his head chopped off. Right. You know, yeah. chained chain to Roman soldiers. You know, imagine that. Could you imagine us chained to... A Roman soldier and the Roman soldier just was kind of looking at Paul and just being like, Hey, God helps those who help themselves. It's like, Hey, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it works like that, buddy. If anything, my God has decreed that I am in this position. So I'm just going to preach Christ and him crucified to you. <laughs> so much that he would write, I can do all things through yeah. Christ who strengthens me in that situation. Like that's crazy. That, doesn't well, that attest to what his what the fate? Did in the first church in the yeah. early church and, and what they went through and they were all martyred. Like, yeah, exactly. Beheaded, wow. uh, stoned to death with Stephen. Uh, you had Peter crucified. You had Paul beheaded. And, and you know what's amazing is Paul, at this time, whenever he is chained to these Roman soldiers, he's preaching the gospel to these people. Uh, can you imagine these? Uh, and, and Frank discussed this in one of his sermons. We just got done with the book of Philippians. Mm -hmm. And Paul discussed, can you imagine being, you know, getting ready to go for your, for your shift and saying, well, I've got to go get chained to this uh, to this guy named Paul. And he keeps telling me about this Jesus guy. And then going home and basically saying, hey, I think I believe in this Jesus person that, uh, that, that suffered and died and rose from the dead. Now, what do we do? <laughs> so, Daryl, let me ask you this question right here. In regards to this, because obviously this has everything to do with a biblical worldview. Why does this quote matter for us to be able to d discern? Whenever someone says, well, God helps those who help themselves, why is it important for us to recognize this as something that is not quite in line with biblical teaching from a biblical worldview? Well, I, th I think it puts us 
too much in charge. I think it, it makes it more man-centered. Amen. So we're start, you start to shift from reliance on God to start to rely on yourself more. And then when you fail, you're gonna and you're going to fail if you're not having faith in what God has said. Uh, in Matthew, Matthew 7, verses 25, Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food? more than and the body more than clothing you know he's telling us not to be anxious about these things and to trust in him you know he, he clothes the the lilies of the field he, he feeds the birds isn't he goes on to say isn't your life worth more than that Amen. And, and so we need to rely and have you know lean on the lord with Amen. everything just trust trust in the lord with all our heart lean not on our own understanding acknowledge him that great and proverb that, right? this quote has the tendency to lead people into trusting in ourselves like oh, okay god will help me once i start to do this and or that instead of first going to him for all our reliance and then walking it out in faith. And, and you know, it's kind of making me think a little bit more uh, as you're talking about it. You know, we're talking about the Christian podcast community. We just had another podcast come in the fold with Chad Prigmore, who mm-hmm. is with The Way Radio. And I believe I, I, I want to get him on and talk with him because there's a lot to dissect. But I know Chad is a he, he's a he's a very strong proponent against the 12 steps program. And I think that this quote right here kind of can go hand in hand with that. God helps those who help themselves. Kind of these programs, such as the 12 steps, right. have people, and, and you know, maybe some people have been helped by the 12 steps. I don't know. But I know in the study that I've done on it and what I've witnessed from people who have gone through it is that they are, they make idols out of certain items to kind of grasp onto. And maybe that right there is part of what this right here can can lead us to is God helps those who help themselves. Okay, well, if we're leaning into self-sufficiency, are we leaning into things that we can make idols through those times? Yeah, and then once those idols fail, then you're, you're back at the where you started. Right. And initially, you know, any any addiction or anything like that it starts out as a worship problem. Yes. We're worshiping the wrong things. And we need to, again, lean on God and trust in him completely and not uh, helping ourselves. The way to help ourselves is to go to God, yeah. worship him, yeah. have a new heart. The and, and, that, and those are things that we can't do in and of ourselves. We can't help ourselves in that salvific sense. I mean, there is absolutely nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to change our hearts, to change our spiritual disposition. It's impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. So Amen. this really goes back to where are we looking for our strength? Are we looking for it in Christ or are we looking for it in self? So I want to move to another one because this is going to kind of flow kind of hand in hand with it. So I was just telling you, uh, you know, my grandmother passed a couple of Fridays ago and then the very next Friday, my aunt, her husband of almost 15 years passed away unexpectedly. So I went to, I drove, we drove about an hour away. We went up there, we sat with her at the hospital and you know, I, I understand she was just completely shell shocked by it. I mean, losing two people that you love so dearly, so unexpectedly, you could tell that she was just kind of numb to it. She didn't really show much emotion, but we went back to her house. I sat with her at her kitchen table for a little while and we talked and she looked at me and she said, can I ask you a question? I was like, yes, you can. You can ask me anything you want. She asked me, is it true that God will not give you more than you can handle? And I know this is a big one that we have all experienced. This is probably one of the the bigger ones, right? People are going through hardships and this is what you hear. Well, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. You've heard this one too, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's very similar to the one we just talked about. Very much so. 
it's, it's again putting us at the center of it like as if we can handle anything and we can i, I actually preach this my uh church went through a series on things the bible doesn't say and and uh the ones actually all the first three that were talked about we went through and i this is the one i preached on and you don't see that anywhere in scripture god if he's giving you anything it's more than you can handle uh, amen. you know paul <laughs> writes about that in in first corinthians you know uh starting in chapter chapter one and i'll start in verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul is being afflicted, and he's talking about these afflictions that is on him, but he's comforted by God so that he can comfort others who are also in affliction. Right, and he also talks about it again in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8-9. through 9. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself so again this goes hand in hand and I can't tell you I've heard this a lot it's it's very very sad in a way God won't give you more than you can handle because this is going back to the self-sufficiency to be able to get through things Paul again says that I can do all things through Christ I mean if it was if it was not for Christ Paul probably wouldn't have lasted as long as he did handcuffed to the Roman soldiers, right? And that's all, all that Paul writes about is, you know, comforted in Christ. Let's go to Christ. Let's be comforted by him. And if we look even through the, the Old Testament, God is often giving people more than they can handle. Even if you go back all the way to Job, Job was given way more than he can handle. And eventually he's crying out to God, looking for an answer. And God never directs directly answers him. He just says, this is who you are. This is who I am. And then he ultimately uses Job from that affliction to bless his friends as well. Right. Like his friends that were like basically blaspheming God. And then Job at the end of that prays for his friends and, and God spares them. But Job was put under much affliction and it was way more than he could handle. Yeah. Now, and you made mention too that uh, uh, a little bit earlier about people going through affliction, uh, that they can also help people who are going through affliction. Charles Spurgeon, I, I've made mention of this before, but you know, this, this is something that hits so hard with me. Um, I'm so appreciative of this story that I read of Charles Spurgeon. It's way back when I did my sermon on suicide. You know, it's well documented that Charles Spurgeon struggled pretty greatly with depression. And Charles Spurgeon preached through, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says that he was in his chambers the next day, and he hears a knock at the door. And he goes to it, and he sees a man standing there who just looks utterly tired. And so he said he lets the man in, and the man tells him that never once has he felt like another sermon has been preached directly to him and peered into his very soul. And Spurgeon says, by God's grace, I saved that man from suicide. But then he says, but I know I would not have been able to do so if I had not been confined into the dungeon in which he laid. So basically, Charles Spurgeon was saying right here, because I was afflicted with depression and maybe even thoughts of suicide. I don't know how, how deep that depression went for Charles Spurgeon, but... He at least struggled with depression in such a way and was afflicted with it in such a way that the Lord used that to help pull somebody else out of that same affliction. Yeah, that's why God does that. Like, I believe it's it's ultimately, um, we don't completely know why we are afflicted, right? But it's it's to give him glory. And then we can be used by him to help comfort others in their affliction, like Paul writes. And then through that, more people will be comforted through their afflictions right appreciate the love of god and the compassion that he has for us more on this side of heaven while we're going through these afflictions 
Yeah, and you know, Paul also, uh, in writing to the churches in Corinth, and this is this kind of goes hand in hand with it. Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. And this is something that we have to, those of us who are in Christ, God will give you more than you can handle. You know, it, it's the, the, the world that we live in is fallen. We're dealing with fallenness absolutely every single day. And this world can crush you. In a, mm-hmm. in a matter of moments, in the blink of an eye, you can lose absolutely everything. And sometimes right. it is more than you can handle. And your only option is to cry out to the Lord in his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And something that Paul writes, for those of us who are in Christ, there's a very deep hope. Because he refers to all of our affliction as light, momentary affliction. Mm-hmm. That we fit our eyes not on the scene, but on the unseen. For the things seen are temporal, but the unseen is eternal. And that our affliction... We are, uh, it, it's increasing the reward in heaven. There's a worldly aspect to this. God won't give you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. Are you fixing your eyes on the things that are seen or the things that are unseen? Because the unseen is eternal. And the, are you fixing your eyes on the Lord? Right. And, and the Father's goal is to conform us into the image of the Son, right? So we're, we're to be made in, into his image. And he sanctifies us through our afflictions. And I use this illustration in my sermon because I used to be a personal trainer. So people would come to me and, and have a certain body image they want to be made into. Like maybe they wanted to be stronger. Maybe the guys wanted to get bulk up. I'd give them exercises. Maybe I'd put them on a bench press and I start with a weight that they can do. And then I build them up to a weight that they can't handle, but I'm spotting them the whole time. I'm behind them mm-hmm. with the weight that they can't handle because they have this image they get stronger. This is the way you get stronger. So God is conforming us into the image of his son. And the way we get to be in the image of his son is through affliction because the son went through so much more affliction than any of us will ever feel. Amen. He, he died on the cross bearing the sins of all who believe. And he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? And yes, it is a reference also to, to Psalm 22. But at that point in time, he was bearing the sins of all who believe. Like we, we will never bear that unfathomable like, yeah and, and thanks be to god we won't even have to bear our own sin because he bore that for us amen amen so again this this right here ties hand in hand with god helps those who help themselves same thing here are you relying on self-sufficiency are you saying that you know and, and you know you see another kind of quote too that god gives the toughest battles to his toughest soldiers mm. <laughs> well uh what does that say about the strength of saul right <laughs> Yeah. But again, th- this goes back to what the Apostle Paul says, that I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. The point of our affliction is to turn to the Lord and not rest on self. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, as Daryl has already quoted, uh, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understandings, but in always acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So, folks, we have one more left, and this is probably the one that I'm most excited about. I know this is probably the one of the most popular sayings that are out that's out there, one of the biggest theological misconceptions, and we are going to talk about that right after this quick break. Hey, I'm Daryl and I'm here with my wife Karen. What's up? And we're the host of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. The podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Welcome back, everyone, to the Five Solas Podcast. This is James Watkins, still here with 
Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Both of us are members of the Christian podcast community. You can catch both of our podcasts, the Five Souls podcast, the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, as well as the other 75 dozen podcasts that are now a member of the Christian podcast community at christianpodcastcommunity.org. So, Daryl, there is another one that is pretty rampant. And this is one, it sounds right, but it's also... You know, there's probably a little truth in it. We look at this, and the saying is, God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. And I've seen this one thrown up in the same homosexuality conversation that I was a part of. Because here's the thing, is there's a little bit of truth in that. Right. God hates the sin. Yes, God hates the sin and hates the sinner. I think yeah. that that's more so a more biblical way to approach this, but it's a little paradoxical in a way. Because we know that God has love for people as well. So how often have you been uh, faced with this one? Uh, well, just recently, uh, I was in uh, New York doing a street evangelism training, open air, with uh, Sports Fan Outreach. And I was preaching, and I said, contrary to popular belief, God hates the sinner, not just the sin. And some guy like came over and started like arguing with me. But one of our other, our other evangelists like took him aside and started talking to him. I didn't expect that kind of reaction. I know people usually don't hear it that way. Usually they hear it the way, you know, God hates this, hates the sin, loves the sinner. If, if we go with what the Bible says, like, I'll just read uh, Psalm 5, verses 4 to 6. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. Now, I'm reading from the NASB. I think you were reading the ESV. Yeah, before. hey, so speaking of that, I have a poll going on right now, favorite Bible <laughs> translations, right? So let, let me ask you this. What's your prediction for who the uh, final winner is going to be? Like so far we have NASB, ESV, King James, New King James, Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, and then we have the Holman Standard. Those are going to be our uh, round two. But who do you see the ultimate victor going to? Well, it, it depends on how many KJV only are participating. <laughs> but I would say I didn't see how your brackets are, but – if it's it might be the ESV versus the NASB in the finals. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that's that's more towards what it's going to be. But you know, I'm really starting to like the Christian Standard Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. I'm enjoying it very much. You know, I'm kind of hoping that there might be an upset in there because I'm a little biased. Right. Uh, I'm a little biased against the King James version. Nothing wrong with it. I've I've preached from it before. No one gets mad at you for preaching out of the King James version, no matter where you preach. Yeah. But there's some places where they may get a little upset if you're preaching out of the message. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said it was a Bible challenge, not a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, moving back into it, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. There's also in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, mm -hmm. there's another big one. It says, there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife amongst brothers. So those are some very personable ones there because we do all of those things, right? Right. And, and if you look at it too, I mean, God doesn't wipe out the sin. Like, he destroys the unrepentant sinner. Amen. You, know, Amen. you look, the flood of Noah didn't just destroy their sin. God's grace saved eight, and he, he wiped out the rest of, of the world because of their sin but they were also wicked sinners. Yeah. And all of us, if we look at it, we all deserve that judgment. Absolutely. But we are those who are on the ark of Christ are spared because 
Christ took that sin for us. Right. And now if you look at this, typically what you see here is this is more so an elevation of one of God's attributes over his other attributes. This seems to be an attack on God's wrath, his righteousness, his perfect judgment, and an elevation of God's love. So a question that I posed uh, whenever I, I told someone, I was like, that's not biblical. And honestly, I believe that you're leading this person astray by telling them this. He said, well, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. If God hates just one person, that means that you have a problem. Either it's a contradiction or there's a contextual problem with the way that you're using it. If God hates just one person, God doesn't love the entire world without exception, right? And he said, well, God does love it. I said, well, he says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So we actually have a name listed of at least one person that he hated. And, and what you typically see, and, there, and this is kind of the paradox behind it. God hates all of those saints that I listed a little bit earlier in Proverbs. We're all guilty of every one of those saints. So am I saying that God hates me, hates you? I'm not saying that because we have a mediator between God and man. And that's found in Jesus Christ who lived the life we cannot and will not live, who fulfilled the law that we have broken. That's the importance here is that by faith in Jesus Christ alone, we can be called children of God. There is a vast distinction that we have to make here. Yeah, and even in the rest of the, that uh, scripture, John 3.16, you know, if you read the rest of it, he says, uh, He did not send his son to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes is not judged, but he who does not believe is judged already because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. So so there's still judgment and righteous judgment. And then, you know, you talk about wrath of God. Those who aren't in Christ, and according to Romans, what Paul writes, they uh, the wrath of God abides on them. Right. So there's still the wrath. It's abiding on them, not their sin. It's on them. And, you know, this person also, they, they mentioned uh, Romans chapter 5, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And kind of the point here is that who is the us that it's in reference to? Is this not the world without exception? I was kind of shocked. I've never seen anyone use that particular verse to try to demonstrate a universal love. Well, it's just not there. There, right. that, I mean, you can't read that in there unless unless you are affirming universalism, which is a heresy. We don't want any of that. <laughs> uh, I, I use my I use my sound effect for yeah, the first right? time in the episode. I, I hadn't used it at all. That's awesome. That's a good place to use it. <laughs> yeah. So and and so that's what you have is this is really an elevation of God's love above His other attributes. Uh, God is love. He will not condemn me for my sin because God is love. I believe a loving God would not punish me for my sin. A loving God wouldn't throw anyone in hell. Right, Daryl? Of course not. <laughs> why, why would a loving God do that? I mean, the only way a loving God would do that if he's not a just God, if he's not a righteous God, if, he, if he's not a holy God. And, and it goes to what you're saying. They, they elevate that one attribute of God over the others. Like, how can he be perfectly loved, though, if he isn't also perfectly just, right. perfectly holy, and all the other attributes of God? We need a holistic approach to this. You Absolutely. Know? And, and we don't, as humans, love everybody, you know, that we, you know, not, not perfect. Definitely not perfect. But it, it goes back to the, even the, the first one we talked about, not judging. Like, of course, judgment is going to be coming down. And we are to judge righteously, but the most righteous judge of all is God. Absolutely. And, you know, we're in Pride Month right now, Daryl. Did you know that? We are in Pride Month. We are celebrating LGBTQ. 
I thought it, I thought everybody was just a fan of the Noahic Covenant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was on I was on Facebook and I seen the backgrounds and I and uh, I was scrolling through and I was like, man, why, is that, why are so many rainbows on here? I was like, is Facebook supporting the Noahic Covenant? And then I realized, oh, it's Pride Month. And so one of the common phrases that you hear from this movement is love wins. So anytime that you start talking about God's righteous judgment, his holy and righteous wrath, you're automatically hit with love, 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 love. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Well, because I'm telling you about the wrath of God that is to come, that is the greatest act of love that I can show someone. It's not that I hate homosexuals. It's not that I hate anybody that's any lost person whatsoever. It's not that I hate them. As a matter, I mean, I honestly, I say that it is the privilege and honor of my life to stand before anyone and proclaim that Jesus Christ is King and Lord, and you need to place your faith in Him, or you're going to go to hell. That's the most loving thing that we can do as Christians. Yeah, and the most unloving thing we can do is just let everybody have a good time and and not give them a chance. You know, it's like like if people are on a riverboat, you know, having a party, they don't see the waterfall coming, the disaster that's coming, and we don't yell like. If we're like, oh, well, look how, how much fun they're having out there. You know, they're have, they're all loving each other. They look so happy. I'm not going to bother them. I'm just going to let them go over that falls. You know, who cares? Like, they're having fun. No, we, we can't do that. We have to, as uncomfortable as it may be at times, we have to at least warn them. And that's what we're doing. We're not, we're not condemning them. We're telling them that if they don't repent, they will be condemned already because they haven't believed. Like the text says in John, John, John 3, 17. They haven't believed in the only begotten son. Maybe they profess they do, and they think that, you know, oh, Jesus lets me live however I am because I'm born this way. Again, we have to go back to the scriptures, and what, is, what, do, what has God said? What Jesus do you believe in, the one you made up or the one that the Bible tells us who he is, the one that tells us to go and warn you of the wrath to come? Now, something that Andrew is battling right now with his uh, Can Women Be Pastors podcast that he did, um, there are comments on there, and people are saying, well, I personally believe. And I responded on there. I told him, I was like, well, honestly, it doesn't matter what you personally believe. It matters what God says. The issue is, is whenever we depart, and this is regarding any topic whatsoever, whenever we depart from sola scriptura, our personal belief, because we are fallen, is always going to overtake us. You know, and and that goes back to us creating a God in our image. It goes back to idolatry. Yeah, and how much easier would it be to just say, oh, I I personally believe this, this is, you know, and just go with what everybody else is saying. That would be so much easier, but but we're not called to to live an easy life as Christians. We're called to pick up a cross. We're called to to go to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. And it's, that's not an easy thing to do, but it would be easy just to say, this is what I believe. Oh, you know, Oh, women should be able to do this because they, they, you know, she's so smart and this or that, which great. Yeah. There's roles that, that God will bless you with, but we need to be obedient to what he has said. He, He didn't just save us and then leave us with nothing. We have a text to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it go it really goes back to I don't believe that a loving God would throw me in, in hell. It's what a homosexual told me. And I was like, it doesn't matter what you think, it matters what scripture says. It says that all of those who are outside of Jesus Christ, the perfect savior, the mediator between God and man, you will go to hell. It doesn't matter what you personally believe, your personal belief is going to send you directly to hell because your personal belief is tainted with sin. God's right. word is inspired. It is God breathed. It is infallible. And it, it, it gives us all that is necessary for salvation and proper living before God. And with 
the changing of our heart within the work of repentance is a changing of mind. And this is what I tried to explain to someone who was saying, well, I am a openly gay Christian. And I asked, well, I said, are, are you active in that lifestyle? Are you physically engaged in that lifestyle? Oh, yes, all the time. I'm in a very open relationship, and we're sexually active. And I was like, and do you have no conviction of this whatsoever? No, I believe my God is accepting me for this, and it breaks my heart because it shows the ignorance that is within the church, the church I spoke of earlier with the, the signs at the church, the affirming churches. You are you are not preaching the uncompromised gospel, and you are going to be judged more so for your false teaching. This is serious. It's very serious. You are neglecting the clear teaching of Scripture, and within the work of repentance comes a change of mind about the things that are in opposition to God. If you were openly, and of course, I don't know the hearts of other people. I mean, it's possible, possible, don't know how likely, but it's possible that there could be someone, someone who profess, who is homosexual, who God has changed their heart, and it takes them a little bit longer to come out of that lifestyle as, as they mature. That's possible. But if there's no changing of mind, if there's no conviction, the Spirit guides us into all truth. If you're not being discipled by godly people within the church, if you're not in God's Word, I don't know, you know, I fear for them. Right. And I would say the same thing goes for even heterosexual Absolutely. sin. The people who, who profess Christ and are, like, living with their girlfriend or boyfriend or having premarital sex with their girlfriend and boyfriend and think it's okay, think that God is accepting of that. Same thing. Maybe they're in a process where they ha- God hasn't convicted them fully of that sin yet, and they're leaving them there for a season. But hopefully people will speak truth in their lives, and God will open their ears to hear that. Um, you know, we read a verse earlier that said that the Lord hates those the evildoers, one who, who loves violence. If we had a serial killer who was saying, I am a Christian, for, I am a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ— and they were going around every single day slitting people's throats and killing them. We would call that salvation into question. In the mm-hmm. same way that if you have a heterosexual, homosexual that are practicing things that are in opposition to God, of course we don't know it. And and do not make any mistake here. I'm not I'm not saying that our our salvation, our salvific assurance comes from our ability to keep the law. I fell at that every single day. Whenever I reflect on am I saved or not, I'm looking and is my faith alone resting in Christ alone who perfected and did what I can not. That, that, that's where I rest every night. I praise God for that every single night. But I also know that there is a call for self-examination within the scriptures. And I think that if we are engaged in something and you have people who are calling something out, if I was doing something and people were saying, brother, this is this is very dangerous. I think that you need to examine yourself. I think you need to go to the scriptures, and I think you need to see what God says on this issue. I would I would take that very serious. If you told me, uh, I've gotten to know you quite well over the last few months. If you told me, brother, I think that you are in sin on this issue. Uh, I think that you need to examine yourself. I think you need to go to God's word specifically here. And I go to God's. I mean, I think I have a responsibility to go to God's word and to examine myself if I am professing faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I, I think church discipline also is designed by God for that very purpose. You know, yes, at the same church, but we can call each other out on things, but it also should come from your, your pastor and your elders as well. If they see you, like you stepping out of line somewhere 
And it, it also, we should hold them accountable as well. But that, I believe, is why God has his church, why the local church is important to be a member of, yes. and not just an attender of, but a member of a biblical local church with biblical government, so we can correct each other and help each other in this walk. Right, because, I mean, the whole the whole point of church discipline is to bring about reconciliation. Right. Uh, it, it's not about con- condemning you. It is to bring you to reconciliation uh, before the church, before Christ, and, and and you know, I mean, there there are things, honestly, in in my life now, I'm I'm constantly I wage war with the flesh, right? I'm with the Apostle Paul in in Romans chapter seven. I do the very things that I hate. I don't understand my own actions, you know. Here, here, and I get I get a little bit of comfort from that because before I was saved, I didn't struggle with things like that. The uh, when I when I professed to be an atheist, my alcoholism, my fornication, anytime I watch pornography. It, it was always fun for a season, but now that I'm saved, I can't even raise my voice at anyone without getting upset with myself because I haven't reflected Christ. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the difference. Is before we would sin and not care, and now we sin and we hate it. We don't get the same pleasure out of it. We might get some, but it's not it's not like it was. And and we just pray that we don't fall back into it. Don't become calloused. Right. That God wouldn't leave us there. I don't think he would, but maybe for a season he let some go. But maybe that's also goes back to the affliction part where we're, we're afflicted for a season so we can comfort others. Maybe sometimes people are allowed to fall so they can help others that might fall as well. Amen. Well, Daryl, I have really enjoyed this. You know, obviously we have four topics that we were kind of covering, you know, we, we did some speed sessions through it. We got a lot of good material in it though. I'm, I'm very happy with it. I think this is something, something that needs to be reflected on in the church. I actually, I think this is something that needs to be dealt with from the pulpits a little bit more as well. Uh, because most of these things are dealing with sufficiency of self and not sufficiency in Christ. Daryl, I'm just so thankful for you, man. It's, it's always a pleasure getting to talk to you. Uh, just what what do you guys have planned now that you're a part of the Christian podcast community? Well, uh, you know, it's definitely a, an honor and a privilege to be with all these great podcasts. We're going to have to have uh, Andrew Rappaport on our show. He's actually going to come over and record in our studio, which is okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you, uh, you you said Andrew Rappaport. I'm sorry. The crowd just automatically oh, just. But but he's going to come on, and we plan to have him talk about this controversial topic of women in ministry and what their roles are. Uh, so we'll probably make me lose a lot of friends for this. But <laughs> hey, it, it's worth it for the truth. It is. And then uh, we also plan to have Colleen Sharp on from uh, Theology Gals. And hopefully she'll, she'll, we plan to have her talk about uh, discernment, especially discernment, again, in, in women's ministries, because Karen and I notice a lot of women's ministries are kind of left to themselves in yep. some churches, especially around where we're at, where they're just, you know, okay, go do whatever Bible study you feel you should do. And they're left to stuff that I would consider not so solid. So we're going to have Colleen come on and talk about that, like how what can help women discern and what we can do. Uh, even within our own church, what she would suggest to uh, to like bring up some topics that you know need to need to be talked about. We need to have a loving conversation, and maybe on some of these things we might be wrong, but they still need to be talked about and hashed out. Yep. And and where do we go for that? We go to what does the scripture say? You know, so it's not my opinion versus somebody else's opinion. It's always got to be what does the word of God say? Let's go here. Let's let's hash it out. Iron sharpens iron over what God has said. Amen. So Amen. that's kind of. The, the short-term goal hopefully 
in July, you know, Andrew travels a lot and Colleen's on vacation. So yeah. Yeah. Get and, back. You know, man, I am, I'm super excited, man. You know, it, you know over the last, uh, last month plus now, I've been doing five solos ministries completely full time. You know, like, like we've talked about, I've blasted social media. We're just trying to grow. We, we have a lot of things coming up that I am so excited about. And there, there are things that I, you know, I've let you in on some of them. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so thankful for what God is doing. Uh, we still have a long, long road to go. We are partnering up next month. As, as most of you know, I said, uh, com. that our goal is to partner with a ministry each month. And at the end of that month, we would donate a percentage of our sales. It's going to be around 10 to 15%. We're, we're trying to ha- hash out the final percentage. I'm probably going to go with 15 because I want to give to these ministries. But we're going to donate 15% of our sales for that month to that ministry. And the first ministry for the month of July that we are going to do is a very, very large and reputable ministry who needs help. And so I'm going to announce that probably within the next week. I'm super excited about it. The ministry has helped shape me so much that, you know, I I just want to, I want to go all out for them. I'm going to blast social media like I've never blasted it before because I want to help that ministry out because the ministry that they have is so glorifying to God and edifying for the saints. We have, we are, we're sending a gospel tracts to Scotland. This is a third country that we have sent gospel tracts to now. And, you know, whenever, whenever we were sitting down the other night and Shelby looked at me, she was like, do you realize this is the third country that we've, we've gone into? And I'll be honest, man, I kind of teared up a little bit is, it's like little, or I'm not a small guy, but little old me in, in the grand scheme of things, little old me, God is allowing me to help further the gospel throughout the world. And that's what the goal is. That's, that's why we launched five souls ministries. Cause I promise you it can't be a get rich quick scheme because you can't get rich from t-shirts and gospel tracks. There's, <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's so much that we want to do. Uh, Andrew Rappaport, you know, we mentioned him a good bit. I give him a lot of grief, but I love him dearly. His ministry has helped shape me tremendously. He's going to be a ministry I partner up with in the next couple of months to donate to them. Awesome. You know, at the same time, he does a lot of conferences like um, Equip Jersey, uh, Equip Ohio, yeah. the Californ- the conference over in California. I know he does some work. I know he doesn't run Repentant Witness that's held in, I believe it's Jersey that's held in. He doesn't help it. He doesn't run it, but he partners up with the person who does. Equip Jersey's coming up July 13th, and there is absolutely nothing more that I would love than to call Andrew and say, hey, Andrew, for this uh, Equip Jersey, I'm about to send you 10,000 gospel tracts. And completely free to them. That, that's what I want to get to is these ministries that are doing outreaches. I don't want them to have to worry about how they're going to get the gospel tracts to, to send them out. You know, I want to be a resource for these ministries that are faithful to the gospel. That's the key there, faithful to the gospel. I mean, that, that's what we want to do. And the way that we're going to do that is by the support that we are gathering from you guys who listen to the Five Souls podcast, who follow us with Five Souls Ministries. If you're edified by us in any way, if you would prayerfully consider giving to us on a monthly basis or a one-time offering that is going to go towards us providing other ministries with resources to get the gospel throughout the world. And so I'm just very thankful for that. Daryl, I'm thankful for you coming on with me. I've enjoyed discussing this. Was this the the third time I've been on with you? I think this this is the third time it is, it is, it is. How's, uh, how's the, how's the fostering going? Oh, it's, it's great. They actually, 
the the judge just ruled to move into an adoption process. So praise God. So keep us in prayer. It could be you know months before that if we officially get to adopt him, but there still might be a chance we don't. So it's still up in the air. But we're God. just uh, relying on the Lord. He's, he's, he's given us more than we can handle. So, <laughs> so, so I guess you just so got to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Him, relying on him the whole time. So, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we so. hit a little bit of a snag with our fall string. Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't really discussed much of it. We hit a, not, not nothing with us. You know, we kind of had a life circumstance happen. That's kind of prohibited us from moving forward at the time. Uh, hopefully within the next few months we can begin to do that again because we really want to move forward in that process. But, Daryl, again, I just thank you so much for coming on thank the uh, podcast with me discussing if, these if, topics. If I keep coming on, people are going to start think we're just starting something. Right? Yeah, they're, they're going to think that we're at, that we're actual co-hosts together. Hey, I wouldn't yeah. mind it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> but, you know, i got to get that uh, Andrew Rappaport guy on there. No, 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 no. no. Wow, man, they'd have no love for him. You know, he just went to the Philippines and shared the gospel with those in the Philippines. There we go. Okay. He's got a, he's got a Filipino following. Well, they're, they're clapping for Justin Peters now. Oh, that's, that's oh. like, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so thankful for Andrew's ministry. Thankful for all that they do. Thankful for Daryl for the uh, of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. You guys go check them out on Apple, Android, your favorite podcasting app. We're both members of the Christian podcast community. And Lord willing, this will not be the last episode that we do together. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it is our honor, it is our privilege to declare to you that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is King of Kings and he has come to save sinners. Place your faith in Jesus Christ who suffered and died upon a cross and who rose from the dead on the third day. And may all that you do be done to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria.